0: Ephesians 1 verses 3 to 12 So spiritual blessings in Christ Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places might be to the praise of his glory.
1: We are um, on our last solar today. We've been um, going through a... um, a series for the last five weeks, well this is the fifth week actually, of the, the five solas, the basics or the basic pillars, if you like, of um, our ref- Reformed and Protestant faith. And um, we're on the last one this week. Who's been around for every one of them? I don't have any prizes. <laughs> yeah. Damn. Um, but it's been a great time because like just in the middle of this week, I think it was Tuesday, was it Tuesday, that it was actually the 500th year, how many of you knew that on Tuesday it was the 500th, 500th anniversary of the Reformation and um, how many of you are interested in what happened in the Reformation? I, you are? So I'll change my sermon, let's just talk about that. No. No. Um, but it is 500 years since the Reformation, and the Reformation was a response, just in real general terms, response to the Catholic Church at the time, if you like. Uh, the Catholic Church were, like, I, if you were here when Michael de Kretzer shared, he showed that little film where they talked about indulgences, and you may have heard about that if you were if you're old enough like me, and you went to catechism classes and they told you about that sort of stuff. Um, requirements to satisfy God, things that we as humans could do. The church would, would, would lay a, a burden on, on, on you as a, as a person um, to satisfy God, to, to have some semblance of hope for eternity, like eternity was only going to be there if you contributed along with it. So that had the indulgences where you could buy off sin. Um, the cool thing was you could buy off your sin, but you could also buy off a relative. Now, the great incentive was there was everyone treated each other well. You know, you didn't get upset at an uncle, or an uncle didn't get upset, especially if he was rich. So you could buy off sin. But the hidden agenda was that they were busy trying to, well, the the bishops and the popes of the day were busy trying to rebuild um, some of their buildings, and they needed money. Oh, how fickle we are. Salvation is achieved in part through our efforts. Uh, which then, um, in the Reformers' eyes, what they did was just nullify grace, uh, nullify the whole faith in Christ's work alone. Scriptures weren't allowed to be read. They were interpreted by the popes and, and the bishops. And um, apart from that, also, others were given glory. So there were saints, there was, there was Mary, there were others, even popes were given glory. And so there was a guy, and um, Martin Luther, and you'll, you will have heard a lot of him lately if you've been hanging around churches. He was increasingly disturbed and angry at the deception. And so he nailed, nailed these 95 theses, or if you like, 95 ideas or thoughts or, that he had come to, to the door of the church. Now, people think that this was a really, really radical thing to do. And you can imagine there was fire on the streets and all that sort of stuff. It actually wasn't. He didn't do that to, to divide. That was a way that you got conversation happening in community about something you felt were, was important. It was to start a debate. Well, this one was a big debate and went on for a real long time, so, and we are the product of that. That was a normal way to do that. You see, the massive drift away from the message of the gospel and what some early church fathers, people like Calvin, Luther and more, what they saw as heretical control... Um, brought about the process of reformation And, and Martin Luther was one of the key instigators in that and that brought about the development of what we know now as the five solas if you like and it's interesting I did a bit of reading you know perhaps you could call them the five non negotiables if you like but I did a bit of reading it didn't start with five it started with three and the conversation went for years on the three, you know Christ alone, faith alone and grace alone. and it was just a few others when they got the council together, they decided that it needed that the, five, the, the other two were added, and it was a process. See the truth had been lost and had to be refound and reformed, and that 's how we came to the Reformation now we 've already looked at four one by one, each of them amazing truths that underpin what we believe and how we live our lives. and we looked at. Um, scripture alone the truth you know, the truth about the word who and the word tells us who we are tells us who god is it tells us why we are and that's revealed through scripture alone we we understand who god is through scripture alone how do we understand him how do we understand ourselves and our purpose and our relationship with god that's revealed through scripture alone god speaks and that was the key thing instructions for life and you can imagine that was quite radical because in, the, in, in those times the Pope speaks. And so everything is interpreted through the Pope. But Scripture alone says, no, that God speaks and it's only through Scripture. Christ alone, there's nothing we can add to what Christ has done. It's only through Christ our Lord and Saviour and His death and resurrection that we were restored to life. You know, it was Christ alone. And this is what also you might remember the story of Paul in front of the Jewish council where where he began to become indignant because it looked like that the Jews were moving back. Uh, well, well, actually, they were before the time. The Jews were moving back to to earning your salvation when they said to the Gentiles, "Well, look, it's okay that you are now uh, that you believe in Jesus, but in order to make it whole, you have to be circumcised." A whole another sermon, and that was what Paul was railing against. That it's Christ alone, Jesus alone, and the Reformation affirmed that many years later, grace alone. God's act of redemption was a gift of grace. We're saved by the grace of God alone. A free gift. You can't buy it. It's full. It's free. It's incredibly rich. And it was at Christ's expense. And faith alone. Joel spoke to us last week about faith alone. And uh, we wrestled with the whole thing that, you know, what about what James says and faith and works and, and how does that work out? But the, soul of fa- the faith alone justified and saved we're, we're saved, that should be saved, through faith alone in Jesus Christ. Not something that we've earned or worked hard to get, and we're able by faith to grasp that grace. So today we're looking at the final sola, and in the original language, a solar deo gloria, to the glory of God alone. And this is kind of the crown, if you like, of, of the solas, I think. A lot of commentators would say that this is the kind of Either the the, the container that holds the others or the crown or the umbrella over the others. Kind of like the icing on the cake. It's the one that 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 gives context and meaning to the others. Piper calls it the capstone, (laughs) to use some language that we're probably used to reading in the Word. That all and that everything is for the glory of God alone. And he quotes Isaiah and where um, God says in Isaiah that, I am the Lord, that is my name. I will not yield my glory to another or my praise to idols. That all, that everything is for the glory of God alone. And we're going to find out later what that all and everything means. Everything ever done on earth or in heaven... Everything being done, even as described in, in the other four solas, everything that was done that has ever have been done, is so that the only person being glorified is God alone. Everything leads ultimately to the glory of God. That's huge when you think about it. When you start thinking about everything, you know, when you take it out of this religious language and, and just look at what happened in history, when you begin to look at everything that's been done right through history leads ultimately to the glory of God. And John Piper says it like this, and I've got a quote up for you to read. The gift of spiritual life from the dead and justification, this is what we've been talking about these last four weeks, God's being 100% for us and not against us, along with all the transformation of life that flows from this gift that you and I are the beneficiaries of through faith, leads ultimately to the glory of God alone. Any praise or glory that we receive... Is owing to grace and will forever point to the ultimate goal of all things, the glory of God alone. The other four solars only exist or they only are, they only have any weight because of God. By definition, they point to him and him only. When you think about it, you know, Christ alone, faith alone, grace alone, you know, we can't generate them or cause them. We can't help them happen in our lives or the lives of others. We can't add anything to them or assist God in any way with them. There's nothing we did or that we can do. Or there's nothing we can do to generate or cause God's grace to work. And and I think that's one of the frustrating things about humans, isn't it? We love the concept of, of grace alone, God, you know, God's riches at Christ's expense. We love talking about that. And there's something strangely comforting about it. And we nod our heads in assent when we hear preaching about it, when we read about it, and then we walk out the door and begin to live our life trying to make it happen. And, and we live in this dichotomy as human beings. And to the glory of God alone, it says that it's all for His glory and from Him. And through him, we can't add or generate God's... We, nothing we could do can add or help along our salvation. If we could, think about this, if we could, then by definition, we would have the right to share in the glory because we contributed and then we could boast. Remember what Joel was talking about last week in Ephesians chapter 2? I've got a little bit of it up here for you. For it's by grace you've been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves; it's the gift of God. Not by work so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. You see, the thing is, if it if it's it's got, it's for the glory to the glory of God alone. Why is that such an important solar? Because if we could have done anything, if if there's anything we've done to add to faith, to grace, to salvation, then by definition we could share in the glory. It was me and God. And he couldn't achieve it by himself, I helped him. I couldn't achieve it by myself, God helped. And that's why this is so important. God's work in salvation is simply... God's work in our salvation... Is simply a display of the goodness of god and it points to him to the glory of god alone our salvation isn't for us that's a bit of a radical thing to say isn't it our salvation isn't for us it isn't for our comfort and for our security it's to give glory to god and although i'm laboring this point it's really important the alone part that's why the reformers really felt that this was so important to be part of it. Because we as humans, we want to share in the glory, don't we? We want to feel like that we've earned it. We want to feel less dependent. We don't like the idea that there's absolutely nothing that we can do. We want to be a part of it. We want to contribute. We want to help God. So this Sola is no less important for us to get, to understand, than the first four. Salvation is from him, through him, and it points back to him for his glory. And we are merely the privileged recipients. You might sound like we're feeling pretty weak here at the moment. Romans, um, Paul said in Romans, For from him and through him and for him are all things. Let me say it it again, for from him, through him, and for him are all things. To him be the glory forever. That's how Paul finished off Romans chapter 11. But even more than that, just like the other four solas, totally change our lives when we understand them. Just like the last four weeks, when we grip and we, we grasp uh, the whole concept of, of grace and, and the whole idea that you know Christ died for us and that um, and that you know faith we're saved by faith alone. As we as those things change and affect our lives, the way we live, the way we serve, so does this fifth solar it changes our life as well. Because if our salvation brings glory to God, then it follows that our lives here must do the same. If our salvation, if that you know, and and in in one Peter chapter three, I think it is, where no, right right, start at one Peter where he says, you know, the the, that it's we have we have this um, Um, I'm quoting out of my head now, the gift of eternal life that's stored away for us in heaven that can never perish, spoil or fade. You know that whole scripture there that it's kind of locked away in heaven and it can never change. If our salvation is just there, then it's not giving glory to God now. That's why this fifth solar is so important. If our salvation brings glory to God, which it does, then it follows that our lives here must do the same. If our salvation points to God and glorifies Him Then our lives, our choices, our actions, and our efforts must do the same all the time. Glory belongs to God alone. God's glory is the central motivation for salvation, not improving the lives of people. Though that's a wonderful byproduct. God is not a means to an end, He is the means and He is the end. The goal of Of all of life is to give glory to God alone. Corinthians says, Whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. And as the Westminster Catechism says, and some of you might remember this from some of our catechism lessons, the chief purpose of human life, the chief end of man, is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. Is that just in heaven or is that now? You can answer if you want. You can do a popcorn answer if you like, if you've got different answers, you know. And is that just for heaven or is that just now? And, and that's why this fifth solar is so important. The glory of God alone isn't that, wow, he did that, that's amazing. Wow, that's really cool. You know, he saved me. You know, and I have the, that's, that's really cool. What does it mean for us now as, as saved people, as people that are redeemed, what does it mean for us to continue... To see that God receives all glory for everything now. And does that sometimes get, dis- get distorted? This means, the Westminster Catechism means, and Corinthians means that we live our lives with the goal in mind to bring glory to God. So we live our lives on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. We live our lives as families at work. The way we make life choices... Uh, The way we use our career, um, relationships that we're in, the way we serve, the way we think about our future, and we plan our future, and boy, we're 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 really we're really good at planning our future nowadays, aren't we? Aren't we? I mean, I was just at the gym this morning, and morning, good morning TV. You know, they have on all the machines. I've realised that the, 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 the segments of morning TV go for about two minutes and the ads go for about four minutes. And the, and the ads are always life insurance, you know, doing this with your superannuation, a whole lot of that sort of stuff in the morning. It must be because they think businessmen are going like this and wondering what they're going to do with their money for the rest of the day. You know, so let's, let's lock them in. But we're brilliant at planning stuff. We're brilliant at planning our, our um, real estate portfolio, our superannuation, our, how our business will run, what our career paths might be, wh- how we're going to study and what that's going to look like. But what if we lived our lives with a goal in mind to only bring glory to God with all those things, with our future, with our finances, with the way we develop our character, The way that we interact with others in in our church, in our life, in our families, in in our friendship groups, the way we operate our businesses, the way we operate our churches, our ministries, our endeavors, and our missions. What if the measuring stick was that the only person that can receive glory from this, and he must, is God alone? What we do and how we do it matters. This solar says that what we do and how we do it matters because if we understand reformational theology, each and everything we do is to be for the glory of God alone, not just in church, not just in our quiet times. How does that make you feel? You can do a little bit of an inventory of your life, just the last couple of hours. For most of us, how does it make you feel? Does it change the way that you look at your life or the way that you look at your family or your job or your church and how we do things? What we squabble over in church? What we discuss, in inverted commas, at length about? The issues that we have, does it change the way that you look at your relationships or your future goals or your bank account? Do all these things point to me and my achievements? Does, does my life and my career choices? do they point to me and my achievements and my desires? Or to God and how great He is? That I would boast of Him and not of me, of His glory. Is it really for Him? Or is it a little bit for me too? Or a lot for me? So then, does that mean that we don't perform or do amazing things for fear that it'll point to me, or does that mean we don't excel and, and look brilliant and, and look really smart, or go for excellence? I read this interesting thing, and I was sharing it with, uh, I think I was talking to um, Joel, and I think I was talking to Shane about it the other day too. I read this thing about Bark. How many of you listen to Bark regularly? Not me. <laughs> yeah. But you know, how many of you agree that he was an amazing musician and writer of music? I mean, if you haven't listened to him you, you have to acknowledge that. I mean his history will tell you that. Johann Sebastian Bach. You share a good name, Johann. He got in trouble in church. Actually, this might be you might identify that he got in trouble in church because when his brother was the organist. And his brother was sick, so he had to step in as a step in organist. You know, the, and he was too good. Get that? He was too good. So the church got, got upset with him because he played too well. And so they said, You're performing. We don't want you to play anymore. <laughs> he then wrote music that was largely rejected by the church for being way too fancy and too excellent. In fact, his music actually never really took off until after he died. His music became famous after that. That's an interesting tidbit there. He found freedom in the duke of the time who had him write music for the royal family because the duke recognized his, his music was brilliant and had him write music for the royal family. But it never, ever satisfied Bach because he knew that God had called him to write music and that it was from God and for God. In fact, he used to say... I write the notes, but God makes it music. A historian wrote this, have a read of this. Even though the Duke gave Johann the freedom to write what he wanted, Johann never forgot that it was God who made the music through him. Whenever he began a new piece, he bowed his head and he prayed, Jesus, help me show your glory through the music I write. May it bring you joy, even as it brings joy to your people." Without Jesus' help, Johann knew he'd never be able to complete the task. Before writing even one note, Johann carefully formed the letters JJ at the top of the page. With that, the music began to pour from his soul and onto the page. When he was finally satisfied, he wrote the letters SDG at the bottom of the page, Sola Deo Gloria, for the glory of God alone. Because he hoped that when the music was played, it would point towards God. And so even now, when you look at old manuscripts of him, you will see written at the bottom, SDG, of almost all of his manuscripts. So yes, we are supposed to excel and be excellent and do well in order to point to God and to bring him glory. You see, we are we are supposed to do well. We're supposed to excel because we are glory reflectors. We're not glory manufacturers. Let me say that again. We are glory reflectors, not manufacturers of glory. Now, you know, I'm not naive, even of my own life. Of course, not everything we do does that. I'm aware of that. I too have sinful, selfish motives in so many, many things. You see, and why does this not work well? Because sin gets in the way. Sin robs God of his glory. That's... You know, that's, that's the definition of sin. It's missing the mark, isn't it? It's, it's, it's where um, sin steals away glory from God. Humanity, you and I, every one of us sitting here, do this. Paul, when he spoke in Romans 1 about sinful humans, he said this, and i put this on a slide for you. For although, and he was talking about how sinful humans, how, how we knew the truth, for although they knew God... They neither glorified Him as God nor gave thanks to Him. But their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. And although they claimed to be wise, they actually became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made made to look like mortal human beings and birds and animals and reptiles. See, sin causes us to make some exchanges. We exchange ourselves in the place of God. We exchange darkness for the light. We exchange foolish thinking for clear thinking and understanding. We exchange earned merit for grace. We exchange human works for faith, etc., etc. The Bible says, another definition of sin, is falling short of the glory of God. One of the definitions we understand for sin is that we fall short of the glory of God. When our lives are for our glory, then the gains, if at all, are really small for the kingdom. When our lives are for God's glory, He Himself manifests through us. He manifests Himself through our lives and our fellowships and everything. And I had this thought, and I just wrote it down, maybe this is another sermon one day. Perhaps we don't see revival in our churches, in our lives, and in our countries because God's glory is not our chief end. We often wonder why we don't see so much more of God in in our world and why are all these things happening and why don't we see God's glory? Why doesn't it work in our lives? Why is it not happening? Well, maybe because God's glory is not our chief end. But we we have an amazing example in Jesus, don't we? He knew... That his life was for the purpose of bringing glory to his Father, and there are a stack of scriptures where he talks about that. And I put a couple up there for you. This is a really good one. After Jesus said this, he looked towards the heavens. This is where Jesus. This is a section in John 17 where Jesus is. He prays to his Father. He prays for himself. He prays for the disciples, and he prays for us. But this is after he said this, he looked to heaven and prayed, "Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that your Son may glorify you." For you granted him authority over all people, that he might give eternal life to all those you've given him. Now this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you've sent. I brought you glory on earth by finishing the work that you gave me to do. That's a brilliant line if you think about that. All that God Jesus did, I brought you glory on earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me. In your presence, with the glory I had with you before the world began. Jesus knew that his life on earth, as short as it was, was to point to his Father. His work on earth, his efforts completed. When he completed the work of his Father, they would bring glory, that his Father would receive glory. And when he considered his ultimate purpose in John chapter 12, When he considered, he thought about what he was about to do. Now my soul is troubled, and what shall I say? Shall I say, Father, save me from this hour? No, it was for this very reason that I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Jesus understood that it was the very, everything he did, the very reason for everything he did was to bring glory to the Father. Then a voice from heaven said, I've glorified it and will glorify it again. See, we have a Saviour who knew that He would be, and He was, the embodiment of grace and salvation. That in Him, that would go way beyond mere words, but become a deed that instantaneously redeemed all of mankind, us included. And whilst doing that, He would glorify His Father in heaven. That's the example we have to follow. When we look at our life and we look at all that we do, is to the glory of God alone. That's the example we're following. In fact, we're called to emulate Jesus and reflect that same character to the world. The fifth solar is to the glory of God alone. And it's been actually really good to read about it, just to understand, you know... Um, I'm not unaware of the fact that even as, as we sit here, as I stand here, that that is an enormous ask, and yet it's an ask. And just being conscious of that with all the kind of things we do, with all the planning we do, all the interactions we have, if we were to ask ourselves, hmm, did that give God glory? We might be a bit surprised. So this is the end of the series on, on Reformation. Reformation. And I think it's been, so, well, we think it's been so, so important for us to be reminded of. The riches of the Reformation that these men went through. The reminders of how much God has done for us. Is it important? You know, is it still relevant? You know, I've spoken to, um, to some people and some churches are, are doing stuff with it and some aren't. And getting a discussion with some people. Is it really relevant for us today? I think so. I read this. Um, little article in the past week and I thought it was spot on ironically it was written in a magazine relevant and I just wanted to to, for us to to read it because I think it's really good when we think of what we've been doing the last five weeks just to wrap this up Reformation is for all of us all the time read the book of Acts and you'll see the church was in serious need of Reformation within just a few years of Jesus resurrection there's a shocker isn't it there were squabbles about doctrine, diets, racism. And this won't change as long as we're on this earth. In Luther's time, the Catholic Church was, let's be honest, unhinged in many ways. In hindsight, we see that the practice of asking for cash to secure God's forgiveness of a loved one is twisted. You know, We think of that now and we think, how crazy is that? How stupid is that? But we only have this clear view because we are hinged to some basic truths from the Bible. I'll let you make your own judgement on the condition of the Western Church today. Have we drifted at all from God's hope for us? Probably. Will we continue to drift unless we desire personal reformation? Definitely. I'd argue that questioning culture, especially church culture, is vital for believers. Where would the church be without the Apostle Paul challenging Peter about his views on ethnicity? If they needed to continually check themselves, we certainly do. The point is, as soon as we think we've arrived, we're in danger of departing from truth. As Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 10 verse 12, Therefore let anyone who thinks that he stands take heed lest he fall. But what does take heed mean? I believe we can learn from Luther's example here. Reformation is an attitude of humility and openness to the truth of God's word. The church needed it since the first century, and we need it today. That was just written this week in response to the Reformation. And I think it's the Reformation is this one it wasn't just five hundred years ago. I think it's really important for us to know the Reformation is still a part of our lives today, and that we're still being called to Reformation. And the last slide I want to show you, the Reformation summed up. We are more helpless than we realise. Christ is more sufficient than we realize. God is more gracious than we realize. This is what's meant by sola deo gloria, to the glory of God alone. Let's pray. Father, thank you for um, just even these last five weeks, but I guess... Thank you for what they were about. Even, even more so, thank you for all the content, all that's meant, all the, the value, and all, the, um, all that you're communicating to us through that, and all that you did. Lord, we thank you that um, we have your word. We thank you that you sent your son Jesus, took care of what we could not take care of, that by that one act of faithfulness, of your Son, Jesus, we were instantaneously brought back into communion with you. Thank you, Lord, for for grace. Thank you for holding that out to us, that free gift. And thank you for giving us the ability through your Holy Spirit to take hold of that by faith. And Lord, I pray. I Thank you, Lord, that, that it brought you glory. But I pray, Lord, that we would continue to do that. That even in this broken world that we look at now, even in the, the mess that we feel like the world's sometimes in, that we would be relentless in our pursuit to see that your glory is exposed and manifest in the world. And Lord, that's, um, it seems like a big ask, but Lord, it can start just in our lives, in our daily choices, in the places that we are. It can start by people saying that my life is not about me, but it's about you. That our church isn't about us, but it's about you. That our ministries, our missions aren't about us, but they're about you. That you would receive the glory. Lord, we pray that often. We pray that every Sunday before worship. We pray that in our homes and that you would receive the glory. Lord, I pray that you'd show us how to give hands and feet to that in a greater way in all that we do. And I pray, Lord, that as we reflect on where we've come from and, and the riches of the Reformation for us, Lord, that that would cause us to bring glory to you as well. That we would recognise that you did something amazing and that we're a part of that. And for that we give you glory, Lord. In your name, amen.